everything about breathing properly, everything about hypnobreath work is set up for you to live a better version of your current life. Welcome to the Juggling the Chaos of Recovery podcast, where we focus on health and wellness and overcoming all types of addictions. You're in the right place if you're a mom, dad, sibling, or caregiver who has a loved one who is or was struggling with an eating disorder or any other kind of addiction. In a time where everything seems heavy, I'm here to bring you a very real yet lighthearted take on what the heck we're all supposed to do with our lives while we care for our loved ones who are struggling. One thing holds true throughout it all. You can't juggle the chaos without smiling, at least a little bit. Well, welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am your host, Moira Gorski. So glad you are back here listening. And um, another, as I always say, another one of my favorite days. Um, as you know, my listeners, that I do a lot of networking and meeting others, and I love to do that. And I love to connect with other women, nothing against men. I love those connections too, but um, do spend the majority of my time connecting with other women and how I can support other women. And um, I was privileged to attend a um, women's event later at the end of September. And I was uh, so privileged to meet Daisy, who is uh, my guest today. As you've heard on some of the other podcasts, I've talked about meditation and a little bit about breathwork. We have Matthew Bronstein and I talked about breathwork and meditation and the impact that that hyperoxygenation has. And um, again, I was introduced to Daisy, who introduced me to really the um, hypno breath work. And I had such an impact from it and was so, uh, so drawn to Daisy to learn more about it. And so I know that it's a practice that is helping me uh, with my daily, you know, my daily practice of self care. And so I wanted to bring her to you today so that you can learn about hypno breath work, you can learn about her um, and um, see if this is something that perhaps might help you too along your life, your life journey of, um, uh, overcoming challenges and things like that. So without any more talking from me, Daisy, Mac, uh, welcome to my podcast. I'm so thrilled you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime I can talk with you and hear that wonderful accent of yours, <laughs> it's a it's a pleasure. But um, as we always do with a podcast, we like to start out with a story. And I was able to, um, privileged to hear your story of how you found yourself to hypnobreath work. And certainly it's a story that I didn't expect to hear. And that journey was an interesting one. So I'd love for you to share with the audience just how you found hypnobreath work. Um, and as I say, share what you, I always say to my guests, share what you feel comfortable with in regards to sharing your story. But it always is a great way to bring that into context of how how you found what you're doing and why you're so passionate about it. So I'd love for you to start there. Oh, no problem. Um well, it's a, it was a real journey of mythical and epic proportions. I mean, maybe not quite like that, but I think um, there is a very famous book, A Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell. Many people have studied it. And in spiritual communities, a lot of people look to that book as a reference for our own life path. The idea being that we are all on our own hero's journey that we're all meeting mythical beasts that take us off the path. Um, and we're also having sometimes some pretty divine intervention bringing us back to the path. And I definitely think 2017 through to 2022, to be honest, has been a real journey for me, uh, sometimes adventurous and sometimes it really felt like I was, you know, climbing through Lord of the Rings to figure out <laughs> where I was going. So 2017, I was still in the music industry. Um, I was in the music industry for about 12 years at the entertainment industry on a whole for 15 years. And my father towards the end of 2017 was diagnosed with lung cancer, stage four. So you know at that, at that stage that there is no cure, but you can prolong life and you can make the quality of life pretty good. 
Um, but at that point, dad was only given eight weeks and it was, uh, you know, everybody battle stations, let's deal with this. Um, and in the midst of dad being really sick, my work was chaotic. There is no other way of putting it. It's no, you know, it's no reflection of the industry or the company it was a set of circumstances i need to look into the astrology of 2017 because i know i'm not the only person who went through it that year but oh my gosh it was really like sorry to keep using these mythical terms but it was like going through hellfire like every day there was another crisis every day there was another way to not be in your body to be dealing with what was happening right in front of you so that was 2017 and I was just about keeping my world spinning on its axes. When dad moved through his first round of treatment, came out the other side, walking without a cane, was doing really well. At that point, everything for me then fell apart because I finally had a bit of room to look back at myself and be like, am I really happy with everything I'm doing here? Am I really happy with my choices? Am I really happy with where I'm spending my time? Because I live in LA. I'm obviously British. So my dad was back in London. That's an 11 hour journey. <laughs> and I was doing it to go home to see him, but I was also traveling for work. And there were weeks where I would be on a plane more than I would be on land. And that's not a sort of joke that's the genuine truth um I was traveling so much eating plain food more than I was eating like normal food from the kitchen or like normal food that you prepare so life was just really crazy and in the window where I could start to look at myself because I didn't need to look at my dad or look at my mom who's my dad's caretaker I was diagnosed with uh, PTSD. I don't talk about this too much, but for the sake of this podcast, I think it's worth mentioning and mild depression. And there was just a lot of emotions being held in my body at a lower frequency, super negative. And I'm a fairly upbeat person, which is why I could deal with heavy workloads, many crises all at once. But the moment you start to deplete your energy, um, and you can talk about this in many ways, you can talk about it in terms of hormones, my cortisol levels were way too high. But by the time I was diagnosed with those two illnesses, my cortisol level was way too low. And I actually couldn't keep it up. So usually when people are suffering from stress, you have high cortisol levels. And that makes you moody, it makes you fractious, it makes you hungry. I was actually having the opposite problem because I've been running on high for such a long time that my body could no longer make cortisol, could no longer make the stress hormone, <laughs> but I was feeling it all over my body. And you can look at this also from the spiritual side of just not having any more energy. I just had nothing left. And when you get to those points, you you know, things feel kind of bleak. And then you fast forward another year and dad uh, takes a turn, the cancer treatment's not working. And he decided to do another round of chemo. But as it got closer, he just couldn't cope. The His body was already so fragile that he decided palliative care was more compassionate and more loving for himself. So at that point, I had a decision to make, like, do I go home, spend this last, you know, time with dad, or do I keep putting myself through this? And I mean, at that stage, I was 14 months into those two medical diagnosis. They weren't improving. I was still, but I was still working. I was still, I wouldn't even call it truckering along. I was chugging with no gas, like, can I get to the next gas station? <laughs> Desperately hoping someone might give me a push. <laughs> so I decided to leave my job and my dad passed at the end of that year. So the beginning of 2020, if that wasn't going to be a weird enough year anyway, 
I was dealing with double sets of grief, like completely heartbroken. I love my dad to bits. We were very close. And grief over losing a big part of my identity with my job. You know, I didn't realize at the time how much of my self-worth I derived from my title and from my pay until, you know, like a lot of people though in 2020, all of that got taken away. It was maybe my choice at the beginning, but by the time 2020 rolled round, there were no jobs in in the music industry. There were definitely no jobs in touring, which was my speciality. So if you wanted to change your mind and go back in, it was it was nearly impossible. I would say completely. I would say that was completely impossible. I had friends losing their jobs all over the place. Mm-hmm. I still look back at 2020 and think, did that really happen? Did we really go through it? Because it seems so wild. So that was 2020. Well, and I, I want to give light to that. Um, you know, you talking about um, a couple of things, the PTSD, the you can't give from an empty cup. I mean, I've mentioned on this podcast before, just the impact of stress that I started to feel on myself while our daughter was struggling and really getting in the depths of the terrible struggle. And I, you know, wasn't diagnosed, didn't go to the doctor. I tend to be, sometimes us nurses are the ones that don't. Um, But I also live in the wellness world and I've realized the importance of feeding our body with what it needs if it supplements and eating and sleep and things like that. And and I think I was, I was not thankfully on that, like there's no cortisol left, but I was living in such that heightened state of just, I mean, I could bring, I could have a conversation with someone that was a little less than ideal and it would just bring on a hot flash. I mean, the hot flashes just came and came and I learned that, that the adrenals and the hormones and the, it's just all and our blood sugar, it's just all related. And so you just can't, like you said, you're waiting for somebody like I thankfully had some friends who said, you know, you probably should go take care of yourself. And that's a conversation for another day. And people have heard it on the podcast. But that was the start of my spiritual, you know, journey and really my journey back to like, how can I take care of myself and fill myself up so that I can give not only to me, but to others. And then the other thing was that identity piece. So many people that I've interviewed on this podcast that their identity has been taken away by something, um, be it an Olympic athlete, that they're like, all of a sudden they get to that pinnacle and they compete and they get the gold medal. And then, then what? Like, you know, I heard a Olympic athlete speak on um, Michael Phelps's documentary and he taught the price of gold. And he talked, she talked about like, I think it was her, but like going, like you're on the bus going to your competition. Um, and then, on the and so you're somebody right and then on the bus ride back you're a different person because you've and uh, many have started that many lose their identity and then the struggle starts trying to fill that emptiness of like who am i if i'm not an olympic athlete or if i'm not a skater if i'm not a dancer if i'm not a this that a college student or whatever and so then they're like trying to find their identity and they grab onto something often addictions, disorders, things like that, that they identify with or helps them feel safe and um, because they've lost a part of them. So I certainly want to highlight those two things We've because there's plenty of times that we've talked about that. And I think that that's, that's very significant parts of your journey here. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I actually think uh, in the last few months, getting to grips with my identity. I'm someone that's done a lot of work. You've been around me. I lead people through the work, but really understanding and processing the grief I had for my loss of my identity and giving myself permission to grieve was a a big deal that people understand grieving for your father people understand grieving the loss of somebody but i don't think especially with women that we're given the opportunity to grieve we're expected to change we get married we change our names we're born with a name mm. this is like something that i've been talking about a lot lately which is why i'm bringing it up 
we're born with a name. We love our names. But we are expected to give them up. We're expected to shed our skin. And that is beautiful and liberating. But if we don't have time to say goodbye to that person that we were, or even if we're not given the choice, you know, why why do you have to change your name? I personally changed my name. Took me a while. And I had to have like a cry about it because I did love my name. And it was the same with leaving the music industry. I had a lot of um, self-imposed guilt. Mm. I should want to stay in this. I should be happy. I should be, this, this is somebody else's dream job. Why am I not appreciating this? And walking away from that, I didn't give, well, I... I think I could have given myself more grace to grieve over the person I was because I think that would have allowed the person who was coming in to <laughs> to have spent less time searching around Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. <laughs> less right. time less time in the line the witch in the wardrobe or just I was just stuck in the wardrobe I think at points. I don't <laughs> even think I got <laughs> right. to Narnia just like in the coats like not going very yeah. far. Well, I've mentioned too, there was a time um, when my daughter was in treatment and um, I was here with a couple of friends. We went on a, a house walk that we have in this town, you know, fundraiser for an organization and beautiful homes on the north side of Wheaton. And there were teenagers there that were from the high school on the north side, as well as moms that I knew. And like, I saw this like mother daughter and the, you know, the girls together. And my daughter was in high school at the time, you know, high school years. And I saw that and again, recognized some people, said hello to people, lovely homes, went through in my car, just started to cry. And at the time I was seeing a therapist and um, I was like, what was all of that about? And I started, she said, you know, what were you going through? What was happening before that and all of that? And so I told her and she said she helped me identify that, that grieving process that's okay to go through when, you know, you made a choice or like grieving the life that I wish I had with my daughter. Like I saw that. And of course we see others and we're like, oh, look, at they're so happy and all that's great. And so that's another thing. But the idea that like I didn't have, I wasn't having those same experiences, be it good or bad, but I was looking at it as like beautiful, wonderful, fun experiences. I wasn't having those experiences with my daughter because of where she was at in her life. And I think that, and it gave me a chance to that space to grieve that. And my daughter and actually, and I were just talking about that the other day when she was talking about some things. And I said, yeah, you can grieve a life that you wish you had. And that's okay. You should hold space for that. You should release that and get through that and and notice that and be there with it because it happens. I mean, that's happened. And as we talk about, and this is what I'm all about is like, okay, so now we can create a different future together, or I can create a different life, or you can create a different life. But oftentimes, people say, well, why do you go back and think about the past? Well, I think that there's some value in many things that we look at in the past, this being one of them, that it's okay to grieve for something that you wish happened, that you wish you had. Um, and I'll let you talk. There's another. I want to mention a song that I heard at my dance competition, which so relates to this too. But anyway, no, I want to hear the song. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about the song. <laughs> well, well, you know that we were, you know, we were talking back and forth. And for those that um, are listening, I competed in a dance competition. I've been doing some ballroom dance, so I competed in a, a dance competition um, last weekend. And so Daisy and I were in touch and. She was supportive and loving and wanted to know everything and all of that. And um, if you saw my Facebook post, I mean, I just, it was a great experience. And it was also something that I just so got into my head. And um, and then I heard a song that reminded me of my mother. And, um, and I really, and it really got me very emotional. And I, as I've thought back on it, and there's another song too, but I was like, wow, that was my mother, I believe, truly my mother coming in to just give me like a little wink and saying, I'm here, it's okay, you're all right, that kind of thing. But then in the evening, <clears throat> so uh, we'll get to hypno breath work in a minute, <laughs> but uh, in the evening, there is a pro show and there are people that do um, these beautiful solos. And so 
weekend you watch and you watch and I'm just, I love music. So I'm always listening to the words and, and all of that. And so this song came on this, that this gal danced to, and it just brought me to tears and I had to look it up on the way home and I'd never heard of it, but it's by Sarah Borales and, um, and she used to be mine. And I played it on the way home and I wept <laughs> because it's that idea that you probably, do you know the song? No, I, I know the artist because uh, she won a Grammy, but I don't know that particular song. But it She's talks been... about, it's it's basically this, from what I can gather by listening to it many times and reading the words, is that she's she has come through and she has transformed. But she looked, and, and it's like she, she doesn't notice her, she doesn't really recognize herself now. And she's thinking back to that girl that was messy and was kind and that lied a lot and was lonely a lot and that it was just like and she used to be mine and it was this identification of like who she used to be and oh and, and all of this and like baked up in a beautiful pie i mean it's a beautiful song but it's so talked to that like you know again taking a look at that child that we used to be or that person that we used to be and giving light to it and I don't know, honoring it or whatever, just taking a look at that. And it's so beautiful. And I was like, okay, this is a song that I'd love to create uh, a dance to because that's, I believe, I don't know the the student because it was a student that danced with a pro. It was a beautiful, absolutely beautiful performance. And I'm assuming is that she did that as a, you know, self-proclaimed, this is my life. Like, this is who I am now. And she used to be mine. And it was just so messy, you know, again, that life. And that's how I wrote in my post, like when we go through transformations, when we challenge ourselves, when we push ourselves through things, it's where we, I believe it's what we should be doing, the work that we should be doing, but it's messy and it uncovers things. And again, I think this is a great segue to hypno breath work, because that's what it's done for me. And you've shown me that like, it it uncovers things that are buried deep inside that, um, you know, again, crack us open and bring this emotion out. And um, it's a lovely, I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful song. And again, I don't take any of that stuff lightly anymore. Like those little notices and the song and the dance and the, this person that said this and the person that was next to the water cooler when I started just crying because I was thinking about my mom. I don't know who she is. She was another student. She came and gave me just a big hug and, um, you know, just was there in the moment with me. So I don't take any of those things lightly because I do believe that's the universe or the whatever it is. It's just the force that's as I've said so many times here, if we slow down enough to notice those things, you know, life, you know, it, it's it's important to slow down and notice those things that occur in our lives uh, because we can we can learn from them, we can grow from them. Well, so much to respond to that. So I think life is beautiful, humans are messy. And when you combine those two at its highest possible frequency, you get a wonderful, beautiful mess. And when you combine it at its lowest ebbs, you get ugly chaos. So a big problem in life right now is that we're trying to create beautiful, curated moments and that isn't human nature. Like you just mentioned about sort of cocoon and butterflies, you were talking about that sort of metamorphosis. That cocoon is kind of ugly, everybody. Like it is not, <laughs> it is not your Instagrammable moment there. Mm -hmm. So the actual process to become the butterfly, uh, we all know this story. The Hungry Caterpillar, my ultimate favorite kids book, um, you have to eat, eat a lot, whatever, whatever that metaphor is, whatever it is, take in a lot, learn a lot. And then you have to cocoon. You have to like get really in yourself, have a moment of, or a long moment of not looking your best mm. as you do this deep inner work and you truly transform. Um, and we're living in a deception right now 
where everything is beautiful on the surface and really life nature is beautiful because it goes through that metamorphosis it goes through that transformation um and you know there's so many cliched sayings like a seed grows in the dark true like all of these things you know so I think that the synchronicities that you're feeling are testament to the fact that you are doing the work, that you're showing up for yourself, that you're beginning to look up and look in. And when you do that, songs like you're hearing, don't they take on new meaning. But you're also drawing close to you people going through similar mm-hmm. situations and they're reflecting your own journey back at you. And that's like feet, that's the feeling of synchronicity. And I've talked about the messiness, which you've mentioned. So yeah, my whole life was a mess. <laughs> and I'm and that's the dramatic version. Like I have a very happy marriage. I have great friends. But professionally speaking and inner speaking, it it was a mess. And I went through a few iterations before I found breath work, which is a thing we're going to talk about next. But I've been a yogi for a long time. I found it the first time I experienced trauma in my early 20s. And when I had recovered, I no longer went back to yoga or I went very infrequently because that's what we do when we feel better. We don't keep up the work. You know, we don't have that foresight to be like, I should keep at this to build that resilience and Mm -hmm. uh, those bumps in the road up ahead won't affect me but also when you're in your 20s you don't think like that you think I don't know what you think really where's my next promotion how am I going to pay my credit card where's the next sale of the shoes you know like often my choice was like can I afford the handbag and afford to eat and like what would eating (laughs) look like if I bought the handbag instead (laughs) (laughs) those choices in 2021 I made a lot of changes to my life I started a company called spiritual mixtape it was a domain that I bought and an idea that I started in 2018 but I didn't have the strength to figure it out but that's really a reason to bring it up is because I think that we always know our paths we always know where we should go our compass never lies. The magnetism is there. It's like telling you, hey, this way is north. And you either go, okay, I'm going to follow it. And, I, you know, I'm going to drop whatever I need to drop to keep walking true north. Or you say, um, I know that true north is over there, but, but what if it's over here too? And you do this hero's journey and you go off the path and you figure it out because maybe you're not ready to walk that way. Mm just yet. So I wasn't ready to walk that way. And what I will say is 2021 to 2022, I started to look back on the last four years where I thought I was in the dark and realized that there were spotlights, there were torches, they were littered everywhere. I was never in the dark. I just had my eyes closed. Mm. You are always being guided. You always know the way they're just a films and layers. And this is a perfect segue into hypnobreath work because Joe Dispenza doesn't have anything to do with hypnobreath work, but this is an amazing quote, says that there is, um, that an emotional, that a memory without an emotional charge is wisdom. So a lot of the time, the things that throw us off the, our past, the things that stop us from doing the things going in the direction we should be going in, doing the things that we should be doing is the stories we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the emotions that we're feeling about things, fear, anxiety, excitement about the thing you shouldn't be doing, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and hypnobreath work takes the emotional charge out of the stories we're telling ourselves so that we can see with clarity and with focus the direction we should be going. And if you're already going in the right direction, it gives you clarity and focus on what your next step should be. So hypnobreath work um, 
amazing practice started by a woman called Francesca Sitma. She was on her own spiritual journey and through a series of downloads and experiments, she formed a thing called Hypno Breathwork. So it works a lot like holotropic breathwork. If you've ever experienced that, it's generally speaking, putting in more oxygen to your body so that you change your oxygen and carbon dioxide levels. And when you do that, when you change the oxygen in your blood, you start to, it's more a switching on of other parts of your brain than it is a switching off. Nothing goes offline, but simply put, we tend to, especially in this world that we live in now, it's very fast paced. We're really overstimulated. Think about how many times you check your social media or your emails on this little brick you carry around in your hand all the time. My phone is never far away from me. I can't help it. I practice mindfulness. I teach mindfulness, but my phone is always with me. And it's it started with my job because I always had to be on call. But in those, you know, anyone that's been a caregiver and you're watching your phone, it's a really, that is a really difficult habit to break. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, I don't have kids, but for I should imagine that anyone that has a kid, especially a teenage kid, you're carrying your phone pretty close to you all the time. <laughs> it's that sort of vibe. So hypno breath work, we work from the left side of our brain. This is our logical brain, but it's also the place of our stress response. And we are stressed all the time. There are low class stresses everywhere, driving a stressor, big stressor. Um, we know we can do it. We know we're safe. We know we're going to get to destination B, wherever that is. But you are on alert the whole time. We're in hyper states of arousal all the time way more than our ancestors were. We are triggered into that fight, flight, or freeze response very, very quickly, even though we're not running away from predators. So our brain is always in the logical side. It is trying to keep us safe because our brain, our physiology still doesn't really understand that we're not running away from predators. We're just trying to avoid that person who's cutting us up on the freeway, um, the person who is in the car park wants to steal your spot, you know, all of this stuff, not a big deal. You're not going to die from it at all, but your body responds to stress in the same way. You're driving a big vehicle. You're like, you, you know, you have to be in a hyper state of arousal to keep yourself safe, to keep other people safe. So when we're working constantly in our left brain and we're not consciously switching it off or dimming its lights, we are raising our energy all the time and it's almost impossible to bring it down. You have to have some level of calming practice. The difference with hypnobreath work or doing really any sort of breath work is that it is active. It's not passive. So people struggle with meditation. And for me, that's really understandable because if you don't know how to turn down your inner volume, but you have a stressful job, you have kids and you have um, a long commute in and out of work. Why would you know how to turn down your inner volume? You literally need to be on 10 all the time. Mm -hmm. So breath work is amazing for those sorts of people because you don't need to turn your 10 down. I think that's important to just say that one more time because meditation is you know, that slowing down and they're, we're telling you to sit down, be quiet, breathe a little, you know, quiet your mind. And many have said to me, oh, I can't do that. And so it's neat how, like you said, this is a, an active practice of your breathing and it's, you know, breathing in a different way than just slowing your breathing down, slowing your mind down. And again, it can, can have tremendous impact on you, similar to how a wonderful meditation, quiet meditation practice can have too. Yeah, definitely. I say that because there's hope for those that say, I can't meditate. For those that have this, again, high, you know, all always on perhaps some OCD 
ADD, that kind of stuff. This is a really nice, hopeful practice that um, can really yield some great, great results. A hundred percent. Brought to you by Gorski Wellness and the possibility of a better you. Are you feeling sluggish? Ready for a change? Need more energy? Up for a bigger challenge? I'm Moira Gorski, retired nurse and wellness advocate. For over 22 years, I've been helping people live healthier lives while making small changes each and every day. Those small changes lead my clients to living a healthier lifestyle with markedly better health. As a brand ambassador for the Shackley Corporation, the most clinically proven wellness company in the world, I guide my clients to make healthier choices each day with their food, supplements, skin care, workouts, and mindset. They say getting started is half the battle. Let's make healthy happen together. If you're ready for simple, natural, sustainable solutions to feeling and looking your best, let's connect. You'll find a link in the show notes or reach out to me at moiragorski.com. Here's to a better you. I'm big advocate of meditation totally understand how it doesn't work though for some people and what I found when I was in my journey to recovery and trying to start a business at the same time my most pronounced symptom with the trauma was I my startle response which not many people with trauma fortunately get but I was I could get scared by someone beeping a horn not every time, but maybe like twice or, you know, two times out of five. So three times I'll be fine. And then two times I'd be like, mm. holding my breath, terrified, having a trauma response. And it got to a point where work was beginning to make sense. It was beginning like the new role. What I wanted to do was all beginning to look good. I was teaching yoga in the cancer community and that was amazing. And I felt like I was giving back and I was beginning to get one-on-one -on -one clients and I was feeling the ground beneath my feet again, but I was still having this startle response and it was really debilitating when it happened. And I was getting days where if I got triggered, I wouldn't be able to work that day. That's not possible if you've got clients. Like you can't just be like, sorry, I'm having, well, you can. And you absolutely should be able to say right. that to anyone you're <laughs> right. working with. But the frequency at which it was happening wasn't conducive to anyone and wasn't fair on myself, first and foremost. So I'd always understood breath work and been a fan of it. Yoga is big into breath work. It's part of your certification when you learn to teach. But I hadn't experienced the relief that you feel in hypnobreath work. So there was a series of events too long for this podcast to go into as to how I met Francesca and how that came about. But when I did, and I got taken through a one-on-one -on -one with her, I felt an immediate release, a lot of grief around my dad, around what I felt I'd lost with my career, with my identity, was suddenly lifted in 30 minutes. And I cried and cried and cried. And I hope that Francesca has the recording somewhere of that Zoom session. It would be fun to look back on. But I cried and cried and cried. And I, and I immediately signed up for her certification and was like, I have to deep dive into this. And honestly, I've been teaching ever since. I finished the certification. I got qualified. I taught the following week and I've taught steadily ever since then. And like I said, I was teaching yoga and I was teaching all the other things before. So it wasn't a weird, completely fresh, new experience, but I would be lying to you if I said it wasn't the cornerstone now of everything that I do. It costs nothing. That's the first thing. It costs nothing. Everyone can do this no matter what is in your body, no matter what you have experienced. And if I could do it when I was feeling that kind of startle response and being thrown, I mean, honestly, I could be thrown off for like one or two days and and being thrown into a mood. I could wake up really happy. Something would trigger me and I would be unable to, you know, be present with you. 
So that's why I'm so passionate about this, because I think we don't have many options out there to treat the things that are in our bodies to help us process these emotions. I also think we don't realize how much emotion sits in the body, how much our body keeps score. That's obviously the book that anyone that's had trauma has read. Mm -hmm. If you've gone through any kind of loss, if you're dealing with addiction, if you're dealing with being a caregiver, if you're dealing with caregiving for somebody with addiction, you will have all of this in your body that you need to move through. If you have had a lovely life with none of these problems and you're listening to this being like, I just don't think I need this because I've had nothing bad happen, then amazing. Please breathe with us and like run for presidency or something because we could all use the hyped up version of you <laughs> and your optimism right now in the world. Everyone can do it. It is free. And it is exactly what the physiology of your body wants. Your body wants you to breathe properly. Your body wants you to have a bigger lung capacity. That improves your longevity in life. That decreases your chance for chronic illnesses. I don't know enough about epigenetics to bring it in here, but I would hazard a guess that it would also play into the positive sides of epigenetics and being able to switch off those genes that are unhelpful to your healthy living, unhelpful to your progress. So everything about breathing properly, everything about hypnobreath work is set up for you to live a better version of your current life. Mm -hmm. I think a couple of things that I've learned through it that has been a challenge. And yet, if you can can do this, um, it's lovely. I mean, it's that idea. And I think as you talked about, what did you say? A thought without emotion is wisdom. Is that how Joe Dispenza says it? Yeah, correct. Right. So I think when we because what that made me think of is when we think about taking control or being in control, I think it's that emotional part of it. Because what I found with your sessions of hypnobreath work, and I have done holyotropic uh, breath work with a lovely lady um, in my area a couple of times, it's that idea of giving up the control and not knowing what's coming and just whatever you want to say, leaning into that or being okay with that. Because there are some would venture to say perhaps some scary things that happen, you know, during breath work in that there's emotions that come up and you, I find myself, I did a session last night while dinner was cooking and I didn't have any crying. So I'm like, that's good. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. But, um, but most of the time I find myself halfway through just this emotion and this crying coming up. And I just, you know, you encourage us to let that out and let that flow I had the same similar thing um, with this holyotropic, which is an hour long. She brings you through an hour long session. Yours are usually 18, 20 minutes, the ones that I've done with you. Um, an hour long session and the emotions of it. People, she talks about how, and you talk about there's tingling in your body. There's um, your hands can get stiff or you can feel like I, I don't, you know, when I was laying on the floor with one of your sessions, my, I felt like one of my feet, I think of my right foot was kind of in this extended position and almost like I couldn't move it, you know, and whatever that all means, it's these things that start to happen to you. I mean, people have laughed, people have cried, people have, you know, all of that type of stuff. And it's that idea, at least what I see for me to give up that control and that sense of that, you know, what's coming next and just breathe and just focus on that. And while you're focusing on that, these other things happen. And then at the end of it, there was so like after my, I don't know if I shared this with you, after the one of the holyotropic, you know, breathwork sessions, I sat up and just all this emotion came out. And it's a time to sit and just process through that and the thoughts and journal and things like that. So it's, um, I feel like that's, that's a challenge has been a challenge for me and some that I know that have gone through, you know, gone through hypnobreath work or these holyotropic. It's like, no, I can't relax enough or I can't, you know, and I think it's that control piece that if we can just give up that control or perhaps pull that emotion out of it and just be with breathing, then that's where the magic happens. 
I feel like we could we could end there. I feel like that is just mm-hmm. exactly what I I would always encourage everybody to find to just be with their breath. There are very few things in life that we have from the very beginning to the very end. And really our breath is that one counterpart that is there from the beginning to the end. Yet we spend no time really relating to it. And people who who can't meditate, meditation in its most basic form is, is literally just following the breath. And I think that if people understood it, like we've just said, that you're literally surrendering everything else and it's just you and your breath. And for the rest of your life and for your life that's already been, it has only ever been you and your breath. So have a better relationship with it. It is your friend. It is keeping you alive. And we never think about it. And if you just thought about that with like the reverence that it deserves, why would you not want to be in your breath? Mm-hmm. Why would you not want to just leave everything else at the door and be in this deep, beautiful exchange and breathe like, we haven't talked about the physiology of it, but the basic idea is that you breathe past your heart all the way down through the lungs so that your diaphragm pushes down. And that's when the belly pops out, Buddha belly. That's what we say in yoga. And as the diaphragm comes back up, it massages your heart. And that's the full restorative breath. That's when you hit out of the stress response and you hit into the rest and relaxed response. And your body, by breathing, is massaging your heart, your hardest working organ. And it is setting all the other hormones into a peaceful, calming rhythm. Like this is what your breath is doing. It's not just keeping you alive. It is managing your whole body into a place where your soul, your spirit, your inner world is going to be able to be expansive, be calm, yeah, no, why don't we have lessons in school on mm. how to breathe properly? You'd be so much less stressed. You'd be able to deal with anxiety. Think about how many classes I had on exam technique. Not one of them told me to take a deep breath, mm-hmm. to feel my heart, to calm myself down. None of it. And it's crazy because this is free. This is how the body should work. And just just surrender, like you've said, just leave all the other stuff and just be with your breath. Just feel your breath. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great place to end. And um, I'd love for just please share where people can find you because if you are interested in <clears throat> learning more about hypnobreath work, going through sessions with Daisy, she can tell you where she, we can find you. So the best place to find me is www.spiritualmixtape.com. Um, I have a free masterclass in January. If you want to come in and feel the breath, it's a great way to start the new year to feel those new year's resolutions before you've actually lived them. You can feel them in your body. You can experience them in your breath and we'll do some journal prompts. Um, I feel in awe of saying that in front of Moira, who's the journal queen. So, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Please come in. Please join the masterclass. Uh, Please ask me any questions. And, of course, you can find me over on the Instagram as much as I, uh, you know, want you guys to not believe the perfect world that's printed out there. I absolutely love a good meme. So you'll always find me on there as well. So I look forward to hearing from you. This has been great. I pulled up the Sarah Morales song and I just, I just love, I just want to say a little bit here, but when she says, it's not simple to say, but most times I don't recognize me. I'm not anything I used to be, although it's true. I was never attention sweet center. I still remember that girl. She's imperfect, but she tries. She is good, but she lies. She's hard on herself. She's broken and won't ask for help. She's messy, but she's kind. She's lonely most of the time. She is all of these things mixed up and baked in a beautiful pie. She is gone, but she used to be mine. I mean, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. So 
I end with that to just, again, encourage you who are listening to learn about these practices I share with you, because we do have this ability to, um, like you said, to transform, to come through, to become better versions of ourselves. And if you know me, if you've been listening to me long enough, like I am all about that. You know, life is not easy for us, but instead of sitting there and staying there, we have this ability to transform, to become a different version of ourselves. And that's okay. It's not always easy. It's me- it's quite messy most of the time. And sometimes when you start to see that person you used to be, again, you don't recognize them. And that's a good thing because hopefully as you're getting through life and these transformations, you're becoming someone that... um again, is that better version of yourself? And you can put away, as I said before, I do often, at the beginning of the year, somebody taught me to do these, um, whatever she called them, statements or whatever. But, you know, something for the year that I'm the possibility of someone with a bigger voice, or I'm a possibility of someone who can make Mm -hmm. a difference, or I'm the possibility of, and I put away the story that my voice doesn't matter. I put away the story that everything you know, that nothing, everything won't work out or things like that. And I think this is the opportunity for us to put away those stories and just create this possibility of what can be. Um, So Daisy, again, complete honor that you are here with me today. Um, Again, I don't take it lightly that I, um, that you've come into my, um, into my world and uh, really love that you have. So um, I encourage you guys to look up Daisy. Um, Thank you for for being here with me. I truly, truly um, have enjoyed it. It's an honor. And I look forward to continuing to learn from you. So thank you, Daisy. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. So everything will be in the show notes. So you can find Daisy on Spiritual Mixtape and over on the gram. Again, please share these um, episodes with others as you go through life, because as we share these words of wisdom, if you will, um, these sessions, we can offer people hope that there is um, a chance for us to live our best lives. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, head over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. Share it with others and make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a thing. I've got a tribe over on Facebook, so head over there and search for Juggling the Chaos of Recovery Podcast Tribe. And do you know somebody who has a story, a story to share, a story of recovery and hope? Please let me know, as I'd love to feature them as a guest on one of these next upcoming podcasts. And perhaps you're looking for a community of like-minded, collaborative, and supportive people who cheer each other on as we strive to improve our lives. If that sounds like something you've been looking for, schedule some time with me. You'll find the links in the show notes. Let's talk, and let me help you find your way. And I'm here to tell you that you're worth it.